Welcome to a show where you will hear about how our liberty is being eroded by the very people that swear an oath to protect it. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. On this show, we will discuss many of the lies that the government, the government that hates us, by the way, we will discuss the lies that the people in positions of power and influence spread every day. And what is the best way to confuse children? Confuse them about their sexuality, confuse them about their gender, expose them to things that their little brains are not ready for yet. That is how they are confusing children. It is leading to chaos. And big daddy government, of course, can be there to pick pick us all up and take care of us at the end of it. We will also talk about how current elected leadership at all levels of government has been corrupted by power and control, as well as discuss the types of leadership needed to correct our republic's course. We the people. It was time to remember that we the people are the government. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. I am your host, Larry Linton, retired U.S. Navy Command Master Chief and prior Tennessee House of Representatives District 12 candidate, and welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Before we start the interview, we'll hear from the show's sponsor, Anchor.fm, so we can minimize the interruption of this, what I believe to be, a vital and much-needed information for parents with school-aged children to hear. Welcome back. The topic of lies is up in the rotation today, and as I said last week, we have an awesome guest for the podcast today. Miss Andrea Gomez joins the podcast this week in part one of a two-part interview to talk about the lies that surround public, I mean, government education. For the sake of brevity, we'll get right to the interview and I will talk to you on the other side. Everybody, I'd like you to welcome our guest, Andrea Gomez. I gave you a brief introduction to her last week, but she's here with us this week to talk about the lies that government tells us about our public school system and also about the lies that the people believe about the public school system. And she's going to give a bit of her backstory and why she got involved with this. So let's everybody welcome Miss Andrea Gomez. So Andrea, the platform's yours. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And you told me you wanted to talk about lies in education. Yeah, so I have quite a list um, that I've compiled in my head about lies in education. I've been working on this list in my head for a while now. Um, I have 15 Wow. So I don't, I only 15 though. Yeah. Right. I could probably keep going. I don't know if we'll get to all of them today. Some are more controversial than others. So uh, we'll start easy and and ease our way into it. Sure thing. Um, You ready? Or do you want me to talk about background first? Uh, Let's go ahead and give your background. Yeah. Okay. So um, I currently am the Tennessee director for citizens for renewing America And that is a conservative um, organization. We focus on America first priorities. Um, My job is to work with the grassroots across the state of Tennessee and support and equip them uh, with their America first priorities. And so this is the activist arm of Center for Renewing America, which is our DC think tank. 
and the entire organization was founded by Russ Vote. He is the former OMB director for President Trump um, and a master strategist. Uh, we're still experiencing a little afterglow from the, the wins that we just um, got to celebrate in D.C., um, and Russ was very instrumental in uh, strategizing all of the um, the speaker fight and um, getting the some of those concessions, like the the church style committee that we will see um, that will investigate those federal agencies that have been targeting conservative Americans. So um, we have a lot going on, and we have a lot. Uh, in our future um, to to make positive impact um, across the country. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I was uh, um, really excited with the, the speaker fight and for different reasons that, that I talked about in last week's episode. But, yeah, I'm really excited with what went on there with the speaker fight. And I, I know that Russ was very instrumental in the behind-the-scenes actions to get a lot of those concessions that, frankly, the American people really need. Yeah, this was a win for we the people, for sure. This is the, the type of of when that will have generational effect. Um, so my kids and my kids' kids will um, experience a positive impact from, from all it, when it, everything that happened in D.C. So and that's very what we're exciting. All, yeah, and that's what we're all fighting for is to make sure our kids get to enjoy the same liberty we first started out as enjoying. That's right. That's, that's my why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't always been involved with um, conservative activism. Uh, I was a teacher in my previous career, uh, taught elementary school in California, and then also here in Middle Tennessee. Um, and in 2020, I was an ESL teacher. And in 2020, we were masked up and um, going through all the motions um, from these mandates that trickled down from our county leadership and so forth. And um, I just, I felt very convicted that I needed to take a stand. Um, it, it made my job very difficult as an ESL teacher to try to teach uh, young children English from behind a mask. But you know, it made every teacher's job difficult. Um, more importantly, I was just very clear that nobody had the authority to mandate a mask on a child or an adult. So I decided to take a stand, and that led to a uh, suspension without pay, and then ultimately my school district terminated me for refusing to teach in a mask, and they called that insubordination. Insubordination in the defense of liberty is a virtue. (laughs) That's right. I think I'm in good company. (laughs) So that's where um, I ended up taking this path to looking for, for a company that I could work with, with my background, and be who I am and not pretend I was not at all going to work somewhere that required me to put pronouns in my email or anything like that. That's insanity. You know, my principles out on my sleeve. So that's when I found citizens and I couldn't be happier. Well, we're happy to, or not only happy, but I think we're fortunate to have people like you out there doing that, taking that stand in the arena because, uh, Frankly, it's needed on all fronts. It really is. And, and I'll be the first one to, to share that there are consequences when you take a stand. Obviously, I lost my job. Um, and I think that um, a lot of times we, we think it's the easier route to just go along and get along. 
Um, that's not my nature typically. Um, I understand why people think that. Um, but at the end of the day, that doesn't, you know, complying with tyranny does not make the tyranny go away. It just makes it worse. Absolutely. All right. Are you ready to get into these lies? Let's get, talk about the lies because that, that's the topic <laughs> of this week's episode is lies. So, and I'm sure you have a lot of them. I do. I have 15. So I, I want to go through them one at a time and then give, you know, some time to talk about them or questions or feedback from you. Sure. Um, and see what your thoughts are. You may disagree with me on some of them. I'm uh, sure some of your listeners will disagree with me on some of them. Probably not, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's just see. Uh, you already know I kind of like to walk the line. So, um, okay. So the first one, this is an easy one. The first lie is that the experts know what's best for your child. Uh, no, because <laughs> A, I mean, we have historical documents that prove that otherwise. It's in... It's in the Bible that the experts in raising and educating children are the parents. And that's where it's supposed to start. Absolutely. And this idea of, uh, of being led by experts um, just across the, the spectrum of, um, of topics is, well, it's becoming unpopular, but it, it's just... I mean, that's a lie anyway, that, that, you know, someone that's in the medical field knows more about you and your body than you do. It's the same kind of lie. But yes, parents know their children. Parents know what's best for their children. Parents are, are designed to um, and, and wired to love and want the best for their child. So the experts do not know what's best for your child. The teacher doesn't know what's best for your child. And I just want to encourage parents to... Um, consider themselves the expert when it comes to their child and their education. You are the expert Ab in your child. Absolutely. Um, okay. So that was easy. Number two, you can't homeschool your child without a teaching degree. Well, well, I definitely do not agree with that one as well. <laughs> so I've, uh, I have teenagers, a 14 and a 16 year old, and uh, we've done private school. We've done homeschool. And we've done public school. And when I was doing homeschool and I would talk to other moms, they would be like, oh, well, of course you can homeschool. You were a teacher. And I would just shake my head and think, oh, my goodness, that's not what this is about. You know, our founding fathers, most of them were homeschooled by their mother that didn't have a college degree. Right. I had, I've had a homeschooling mom on the program before, and I... You know, I follow, uh, I don't know if you know her, Nikki Truesdale. I get a lot no, of her stuff. Uh, but, I mean, homeschooling, again, it doesn't require a degree. It requires, you know, just parents' time and effort and mainly love for their children and protecting them from what is going on. That's right. Exactly. And I would say a love for your child and a love for learning. Right. For yourself. That's um, and that, I think for myself, at least that, that came a little bit later in life. I mean, I was a good kid. I was a good student and, you know, I did everything I needed to do, but the actual love for learning and that came as I was older and it definitely came overwhelmingly once I had children and I wanted to teach them things that I maybe didn't get along the way. So I, I think if you love your child and you have the, um, the heart to make an effort and then, um, you know, you can 
identify the resources that are going to be most helpful and connect with other people um, that are doing it as well. I think anyone can homeschool their child. Right. I think that's a lie that's being propagated mainly by government and other people that would like to keep children in school. A, mainly because it's a it's a tax revenue source. But B, they, they want to force this lie because it's it's about control. I mean, when yes. I when I think it when it boils right down to it, it's about parents giving up control of their children to the government. Now, a lot of people don't realize that schools are a government body. Mm-hmm. So if you yourself would not submit yourself to slavery or bondage to government, why are you voluntarily giving it your children into it? Because they're unaware and it, the information that's out there about homeschooling is often suppressed and definitely lied about. But homeschooling is is suppressed because government wants to maintain control of the children. Exactly. And there is a, a lot of disdain within the, the public education uh, sphere for homeschool. Um, I regularly would hear comments made about you know a new student transferring in and you know the rolling of the eyes from other teachers like oh this one was homeschooled great you know they're going to be so behind and uh and the fact of the matter is is that homeschool students perform better on um act sat absolutely and the the myth about being socially awkward i mean there's studies out there the long-term studies are now in about homeschooling they are much more well adjusted than any of the public school graduates. Absolutely. So, yes, I'm a big fan of homeschooling. I think that'll save the republic. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, even though I've done homeschool and I've done it off and on, um, I, I, I definitely like the, it's, it's even still rising for me, in my opinion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd be, it's so impressive to meet a child who has gone through a a classical homeschool education curriculum, it it will actually make you want to go back and do elementary school, middle school, and high school again to listen to them, to listen to how they can articulate and defend their arguments, defend their faith, defend their principles. It's, It's awe. Right, because Inspiring. homeschooling, I think homeschooling does put a bit more emphasis on the critical thinking aspect of education, whereas a government-controlled school, they critical thinking is, is anathema to, to government function. So th- it, it's definitely not enforced or taught or emphasized, I would say, in public school settings. Yes, and I will um, also differentiate just, you know, everyday homeschool versus a classical um, model of homeschool. Right. I, I definitely support the classical model. I think that it's, um, it, it teaches kids that logic and critical thinking um, and they get access to, um, you know, Latin and stuff, and things like subjects like that at the middle school level. But it's also developmentally appropriate with how we introduce um, topics to the children at their developmental um, age, their readiness. So anyway, I don't want to do too much on homeschool because this next one's really easy. Okay. This next lie is that more technology is better. 
Uh, I think we've proven that that is not the case because look at the, I mean, my generation, you're, you're, get, you're not that close to me, but there was no technology when I grew up. And I believe that I can more articulate or defend an argument than anybody that's coming out of college right now, definitely out yeah. of high school. So exactly. we had zero technology then. We had a protractor. Well, you, that was the, the most advanced thing. Sometimes they put that abacus in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember when there, you know, not every classroom had a, had a television screen, and you got really excited if the teacher wheeled that TV in that was sitting on a cart, the tall black cart, and they'd wheel the TV, and you're like, oh, it's going to be a, a video day or something like that. Right. That was the the technology that we had, but. You know, our kids have Chromebooks now, and so much of their curriculum is on the Chromebook, not in a um, hardcover book form. You know, so your students, uh, when your children would come home, you know, when we were kids, they would bring home a textbook, and they might have homework or reading to do from that textbook, and you could look over their shoulder and give them what they were looking at, and if you had questions, you could talk to the teacher about it. That's not the case anymore. Today, they have these Chromebooks with hundreds of apps on that on the desktop of that. And these apps have, you know, thousands of resources that are attached to them, articles or stories or books. There's really no way a parent can um, spend enough time going through what's in front of their children and what they have access to on a daily basis. And you think about how often new things might be added to those apps and so forth. It's nearly impossible. So it's definitely um, undermining parents having the ability to look over what their child is being exposed to at school. And that's by design, I believe. Yes, 100%. I agree. Mm -hmm. All right. The next one. Education is underfunded. More money means... More mastery. <laughs> that, that's proven a lie every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, someone needs to tell like our, you know, elected uh, officials that that's a lie because they keep wanting to, to send more money. Um, so now in Tennessee, we have this new funding uh, formula called TISA. And so they, they promoted it as, you know, the money is going to follow the child. And um, basically, if you look at that funding formula, it, it incentivizes and pays more money to children that are maybe a second language learner or they have some sort of, um, if they have an IEP or 504, they have a learning disability, whatever that might, whatever it is, they'll get additional money for that child. But there's no real accountability of how the money is going to be spent. So the, the potential problem I see with that is a school district or school could be looking to identify students with special needs that maybe they don't necessarily have, you know, maybe getting them on a 504 plan for, you know, a behavioral disorder so that they can then monetize that child at a higher rate. Um, But there's no, there's no accountability for how the money will be spent. So they could be collecting an additional income for a child with disabilities, but then spending it on, you know, improving their gym or something along those lines. Absolutely. There's, there is no better institution designed by man to waste our money other than government. Absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, and if you go back to giving parents, um, 
the ability to make those those decisions for their children. You know, if we were just talking about like a voucher program or something like that, parents having the ability to spend the money on their child as they see fit would be a much better use of that. Right. And okay, this next one kind of, oh, sorry. Yeah, right. Because the third party payer never gives you any value. That's right. It's, yeah, someone else's money. Right. Spending it on someone else's kid. So value (laughs) and quality don't ever come into consideration. So when government is spending your money on something, it's third party payers. So they don't, there's no consideration ever given to quality. Exactly. All right. This next one is, um, is one that can make my blood boil. This next lie is that your child has let's just say ADD, ADHD, or anxiety, and needs drugs to learn. I think I've made my feelings known on ADD, ADHD, and stuff like that for a long time now. Uh, I believe it boils down to a lack of discipline is what has happened. Well, and it's amazing, though. I have sat in many meetings with teachers and heard teachers say these words. That child needs meds. Uh, That child has ADD. They need meds. They're out of control. And it, it, it makes me just want it. I'm not in schools anymore, but at the time it made me want to just get up and walk out thinking, how dare you? You have absolutely no right to identify or diagnose a child or suggest that they should be on drugs. What they should be diagnosed is their inability to reach out to the child. Right. And, and let's, you know, let's be real. There are behavior issues in classrooms and that is a difficult part of teaching. Um, and at a desk all day and stare at a, a Chromebook all day. And, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, so it's those, unreasonable. Those, those technology factors come into play here, right? With all this technology, exactly. what are you doing to the kid instead of that one-on-one one-on-one or not even it wasn't one-on-one back when i was growing up but there was more teacher involvement with the individual students in the classroom than than just handing them a laptop or a tablet saying hey study this exactly well and that kind of goes back to to the comment you made about socializing um when we're talking about homeschool is you know oh what are you people said this to me all the time what are you going to do about social you know how are you going to make sure they get their socializing in and I just used to marvel at that. Like, have you ever been in an elementary school classroom? Do do I really want my kids socialized by the child that's you know out of control and ha- and has poor behavior and the and the teacher that you know doesn't know how to manage our classroom? Is that good socialization? <laughs> no, absolutely. But that's what government wants. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. The next one is, and I've actually experienced this right here. Um, at, at one of my former schools, um, this is the lie. It is, we are family. Really? Yes. <laughs> are it they paying my regular, bills too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a regular um, like comment, signing off of emails in all of our newsletters. It was regularly mentioned in staff meetings. We are family. And I think I might have been the only person that was bothered by it in the entire school. And I never had a conversation with someone about it. But I used to just think, no, we're, we're not family. Uh, I have a family at home. Thank you very much. I choose to come to work here and go home and be with my family. Um, but it also, I think, feeds into this idea that, that the school system is a partner or a co-parent or a share 
stakeholder stakeholder in your child. And it's very, it's, that's a very scary place to be. And I'm hearing the word stakeholder, shareholder, and partner more and more um, from the education world. And it, it, it tells me that they think that they have some sort of ownership in your child. Right. And when they're operating from that basis, they take offense to any parent that is more involved. I mean, we've seen that with school boards all over the country here recently. But when it, when when somebody feels that their positional authority is threatened because of an assumed position, we are family, they get really hostile. And that's not the okay. way it should be. They, hey, like you said, they're not family. They are a public servant paid for by tax dollars to provide a service. Exactly. A product and a service and the way I see it is parents ultimately are responsible for the education of their children. Now, you can um, contract that out to a school system. You could contract out to public school or a private school, or you can homeschool yourself. But at the end of the day, the parents are responsible. Now, if I contract out to a public school and I'm not happy with the product or the service, then I need to tear up that contract and adjust and do something different for my child. Absolutely. That's something like we talk about in the military, uh, authority, accountability, and responsibility. So you can, you can always delegate authority, but the accountability and the responsibility are always going to be the parents. Yes. But it, but we now have a public school system, which is a government entity, trying to insert themselves into those three and take control of those three. Yeah, exactly. Well said, and that takes me to the next one. Okay, so the next one is the Whole Child Initiative, which, by the way, we have here in Tennessee, means that the state cares about your child's body, mind, and soul. <laughs> whole child. <laughs> that makes me laugh because what government entity cares about souls right now? <laughs> right. But when you, when, if you think about the average parent, when they think, when they're told that we have a whole child focus in Tennessee, I think the average parent probably interprets that as like, oh, they care about my whole child, not just their academics. And it's, uh, it's a very, um, covert way of of putting it because it's really not that they care about your whole child it's that they want access to your whole child exactly they want control of the whole child yes not responsibility not authority they want control of the child this is a an initiative that is trying to make our schools basically that that central um, that location where your child gets all of their services. So they get their education, they get some health screening and um, health services um, and psychological and social work services. Um, some of our school districts are doing uh, vaccinations. They are doing COVID testing. They are doing um, home visits to check in on children. There's a lot of um, scary things going on that parents are unknowingly accepting because if you don't 
if you don't actually opt out, which is a difficult process, a lengthy process, you are automatically opted in to a lot of these services that are, you know, servicing your whole child. Yeah, I think that's a that's a piece of legislation or something that needs to be introduced, especially here in Tennessee. I mean, we're a red state, supposedly, where we would have to have parents opt in instead of opt out. Because if you make them opt in, they actually have to read and study it. And opting out, I mean, nobody, you send these pieces of paper home with the children. And I mean, I know when I was growing up, half the stuff my teacher sent home with me never made it to my parents. <laughs> well, that would act, if they were actually sending home a permission slip for a lot of these programs, that would actually be better than what they're doing. Right. Um, in Davidson County, they're telling parents that they need to go to the student handbook, which is online on their website, and they can download the handbook and then print out the paper copies, and you have to fill out each page to opt out of that particular program. And most parents, I mean, I, I know a lot of people don't have printers in their home. Help me find the location of this particular um, student handbook on the, the Metro Nashville Public Schools website. It was not an easy find. So right, they're, yeah. they're making it hard for parents. Because they're, well, A, they're operating from a bunch of assumptions and they know they know the answers to these assumptions. Like, hey, let's tell parents to do this, knowing that the parents, a lot of parents can't do it. So they're, they're, they're already operating with a full knowledge of, hey, we, we tell them to go online and do this. We know that they can't. We know a lot of them can't. So we know that we now do have that whole child access okay. because the parents have not opted out. So, I mean, heard me talk before or heard, listened to me or heard about me, you know that I'm a firm believer that our government is completely operating way outside its constitutional limits. And, and the biggest way that they have started this is with our public education system because they have dumbed down generations of children. And that's what we have now, raising kids and sending them back to public. It's, a, it's, a, it's not only a vicious cycle, it's a vicious downhill roller coaster where the parents that are having kids in school now were taught at a younger age that, Schools take care of children, and it's way morphed outside of that since I was a child. And I think 100%. it's, I think it's for it's it's for the purpose because what what government? I mean, education was highly touted by all of our founding fathers, but not the current setup. It was highly taught because the more we knew about our rights, our inalienable rights that come from our Creator, the more we would hold government in check. So that's why government doesn't want a public education system that operates that way because what government is going to educate the people on its own limitations and that the citizens are the sovereign. There isn't one out there that'll do that. Exactly. And and our founders also believe that biblical literacy would lead to self-governance and self-governance would lead to smaller government. You only need big government if you have a population of people that don't know their rights and they don't understand self-governance and, and don't believe that they're ever going to be accountable beyond this world. Absolutely. Teddy Roosevelt, so, what he said, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is better than any college degree ever out there. Amen. Amen. That's it for this week's part one of the interview, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have enjoyed it so far. And I also hope that you listen to part two next week when we wrap up the interview with this awesome patriot. She is a true servant leader.
Before we close, we have this week's wisdom from God's Word, and it comes to us from Psalms 127, 3. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Do not believe the lies that are spread about the benefits of government education. Do your own research. Guard your heritage, your reward from our Creator, with a fierce jealousy. Thank you all for listening this week, and I pray that you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.